Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. Was hard, but not anymore. Thanks to Wondersuite from Bluehost. Answer a few questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically create your website or store. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content, and we automatically help you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 309 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And I'm Dustin with Last Stand Media. Oh, you you froze there. For I, a almost, I almost, I uh, almost, I was like, I wasn't, I thought there was like one more thing. Mm. And then yeah. I was like, well, no, I've, I've been doing this for fucking months now. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you might just be editing a little too much Defining Duke where there's like a couple extra syllables in there. And, you know, mm. Defining Duke and Xbox podcast. It goes on a little bit longer. Okay. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Welcome. One. Welcome all. We hope you're all doing fantastic hope you're doing better than me i was at the uh, urgent care facilities i was telling dustin we planned this show for one it's two uh urgent care was anything but urgent it was it was anti-urgent dustin as i told you uh and so by the way i'm okay but you know beyond the point i just had chills last night and all that shit i was like all right we gotta go uh, but anyway, uh, here we are recording this show. For those who are new, uh, this is a weekly gaming news show where we just kind of kick our feet up and we talk about what we're playing uh, and some of the hottest news of the week. But before anything, Dustin, I want to just kick it to you and ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Maddie. Uh, last episode, we talked about the morning episode because I was leaving uh, mm, to go to yes. Virginia. I have obviously I've returned, but I was gone almost. Let's see. I was gone from Friday and then I got back wednesday afternoon so i'm just it feels like i'm still pretty like kind of fresh back but uh that's a good feeling good. though right oh yeah yeah it was um it was like a half vacation because i was still working like i got you you and cog did an episode with with colin so i like did that when i was traveling which is it's mostly easy stuff so it was no problem but i did uh you know do some some fun stuff while I was gone, I saw um, it was the ten year anniversary. You and Holly. That's right. Yeah, it was our ten Congrats. year, ten year dating anniversary. That's right. So yeah. it's an. I feel like it's an important. Uh, you know, some people. I don't know. Do people still think about their dating anniversary? I do. Uh, like, do you think about? Okay, I yeah. didn't know if people like just forgot about it or or whatever. But um, yeah, you always have that date that you look back on and you know when it's going to work. For me, it really wasn't a date. I was driving to hockey and I called Laley and we were on the phone for about an hour. This is our first time talking and, and that car ride flew by and that's when I knew because I was like, all right, good conversation. Mm -hmm. That's what you want. That's what you want. That's right. Yeah. But uh, oh, one thing, Maddie, when I was driving home from uh, my so my parents live in Alexandria, which is uh, pretty close to Bethesda and uh -huh. Rockville. When we were driving home for the first time, I noticed on the highway, look to the right, there's the Zenimax Media ah. and Bethesda ah. office. And I was like, there it is. That's right. <laughs> and oh, I like that. weird connection here, Maddie. Uh, you did the Fallout 4 panel a few months back, right? Yes. Yeah. One of my mom's friends works with someone who was on that panel. Uh, oh. I'm I'm trying to remember, Wes, something. Uh, Wes, 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 Wes. Oh my he's god, he's the guy. He he's been in a bunch oh, of oh Bethesda oh yes, games. Wes. Oh my god, yeah, he's like Shia Gorath and everything. Yeah, Wes Johnson. Yeah. So she was like, oh yeah, I work with that guy. 
Oh um, my god, that's awesome. Or whatever. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's funny because the a guy I work with has yeah. worked with him in a way. Yeah. Like so. Uh, just yeah, small, well, I, I, I almost world. forgot because Wes was a last-minute addition. Courtney Taylor oh. set up the, the whole panel, and we wanted everyone on. Of course, we reached out to everybody, uh, but like Wes was saying originally, like, "Oh, I can't do it," and we're like, "Okay, no problem." And then he tweet I, the way I found it is he tweets at me. He's like, "I'd love to be on the panel if Maddie will have me." I'm like, "Of course I will." And so yeah. Courtney handled all of that. She did a, a great job uh, putting yeah. that all together. But that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, as far as playing, I have not played very much. I like. Very briefly started Plague Tale last night. I probably played for like 10 minutes and I was like, I'm too tired. Like, Jerry, mm. just like, I'm my brain is exhausted. I just need to go to bed. Right. But so I've realized I've said some, well, I haven't said anything conflicting, but I'm hearing conflicting reports about Xbox uh, game streaming. Mm. So when I was at my parents, I only had my Switch. So I had some Mario Golf time, but then I was like, you know what? I'm going to check out some Xbox cloud streaming and maybe play Destiny. And holy wow. shit, it was horrible. It was fucking <laughs> awful. I could not believe how bad the lag was. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I'm on my MacBook Pro over Wi-Fi. My parents have amazing internet speeds, better than I have here. Wow. And I'm like, they describe it as working over Wi-Fi with tablets. So surely it's not the fact that I'm not hardwired. Like, this is what they advertise. It's for Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, maybe there's something with the network or whatever. So I, you know, I uh, I dusted off my old uh, Stadia account, logged oh. in, and tried Destiny 2 there. Totally playable. Wow. So that, what, that's, what's, that's pretty – okay. Here's what I'm confused about is uh, – was it um, – was Cog talking pretty highly of the – the streaming, or was he talking yeah, highly he about was, the concept? He said, he said he posted up at his barber shop, and he was playing. He was playing. Uh, I think it was Halo or something like that. Um, oh, yeah, he was. Was it Halo? I don't know. He was playing something though. He said he does it a ton. Uh, he said he traveled for work, uh, and, and he had the Razer Kishi, and he played on his phone in like a hotel. Mm. People have on and off experiences. Like mine was okay. His was great. Some of the audience has been great. Some hate it because they're like, this is exactly what I expected. It doesn't work. Some argue you need like five gigahertz internet. Like you need to connect to that or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I was personally and it still had issues. I mean, it's in beta, so I do give it the benefit of the doubt. But I think it's most interesting there that you tried out Stadia, which funny enough, right. Cog, Cog was pretty big on. He said Stadia was laughable, but the technology wasn't. And I think that's sort of exactly. a testament to that. Dude, and it's just so – I've heard – someone in our uh, The Last Stand Discord, I believe, said that it can be very dependent on how close or far away you are from a data center for Microsoft. Mm. Yeah, I've heard but that I was as like, well. man, Jimmy said that to me. I'm like, I can, I can see – depending on where I'm at in Alexandria, I can see the Capitol building. So I'm like very close to D.C. Mm. And I'm like, surely Microsoft would have a data center around here but i don't know maybe not i just found mm. it the the whole thing around it has been weird just because i'm like i heard so many great things and i heard some not so great things i'm like well i should try it at home i actually haven't tried it here in uh right. western pa that that will be an interesting test as well 
Yeah, I um, I, I'm I'm really just a remote play guy at this point. Like that's kind of mm. the most ideal method. It's just streaming it to the tablet and playing in like a different room or a, a different like in bed even, and just having right. something else on the TV. That's sort of where I've fallen into, which has really nothing to do with XCloud. It is a form of streaming, but it's not XCloud streaming. Uh, just because I don't travel enough, and when I do travel, I don't. When I travel, I try to disconnect from games. So for right. me, traveling and and playing, unless it's you know something like a, uh, a a vacation then i'll take my switch or whatever with me um but yeah they it, it's funny hearing everyone's experience because it's so wildly different some people just adore it because it's exactly what they need right it's that access where they can just fire it up so you haven't played much of anything because you didn't really have the opportunity to no not really uh I'm, i mean i'm trying to think i was playing some mario golf but we i talked about that last week and so yeah, you and i both did yeah, it's, you know, it's actually, I think you're right, Maddie, and sometimes it is nice to get a little break from of gaming, because uh, then when you come back, you're, like, ready to dive into yeah. some stuff. Like, I, I'm uh, I'm hoping tonight, actually, this is side note, but I recently, my parents' sound system was dying, and they knew that I had once offered that I was like, yeah, by the time yours dies, I'll probably want to upgrade mine. So they're like, hey, ours is dying. <laughs> and since you're visiting, I, they heard that I was looking at a new one, which was true. So I said, fuck it. And I got a pretty nice, like, new sound bar that has, like, oh. full, like, it has the, the back speakers and, like, Dolby Atmos oh. and stuff. So I was checking out last night there, since Xbox has some kind of, I don't know if it's an exclusive deal, but it's the only console of the two, I guess, that has Atmos support for gaming, mm. um, which, for the audience, I'm my understanding of Atmos is that there are speakers on both the front and the back that shoot to the ceiling and then bounce the sound is supposed to bounce down. So you kind of get like an overhead okay. effect. Okay, I was gonna ask. Alright, that makes sense. I need to download some other Atmos games. The only one I had available right off the bat was uh Warzone. So I just like booted up the uh the tutorial type thing. Right. Uh, or the training mission. And, like, so I, there were, like, AI shooting at me. And it was, like, it was, like, whoa. Wow, this is, like, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, it was neat. And so I'm excited now that I, like, have it hooked up. And then I have this weekend now where I can, like, mostly chill. Check out nice. some surround sound. Game. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, this might be one of our shortest what we're playing sections. Because for me, I mean, I can't add more than I completed the Dead Space trilogy. I played Dead Space 3. Nice. I've learned that how long to beat is such a bad way. Carrick said this a lot. It's such a bad way to gauge uh, the length of a game. Uh, and lately, it's just been woefully off. So Dead Space 3, everyone online, I was looking. Because I like to just check to gauge my, you know, because I'm, I'm doing this for a project, right? And I'm making sure, hey, do I have time to, to get this out before EA Play? Which, you know, we're getting down to the wire. I'm going to write the script this weekend and hopefully have it out within the next week. Um, it's going to be one of those bigger videos, but if you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same Jersey as you to be your best. Every time you step on the field, that's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Um, I always like to check the length just to make sure I have the time or what's the level of investment here. 
And with Dead Space 3, everyone was saying 20 hours. And we did co-op, did every side quest, and beat it in like, 10 and a half. Uh, mm. it, you know, exactly half the time that people were, were saying it would take. Uh, and that was uh, just a good reminder of, of how much co-op blinded me when I was younger. Because I used to be a Dead Space 3 defender. Um, and there are some good there is some good stuff about this game, but uh, it is not that it's not really the Resident Evil Five of the series that I thought it was. Uh, where I think Five is still a, it's one of the best co op games of all time. I'll go to that length of saying it, uh, but it's clearly mm. not what Resident Evil's all about. So I thought that's sort of what Dead Space Three was. But dude, there's action, there's cover shooting, there's reused uh, assets constantly. By the way, that like devalue any exploration. Um, there's no claustrophobia because you're on this wide open planet. It, it, it goes against, because I played the whole trilogy, it goes against everything that the series built. Everything. So it's more like the Resident Evil 6 of the series, which I thought was a more apt comparison. Although I can even argue that 6 is somewhat of a guilty pleasure for people. But 3, Dead Space 3, no, it really isn't. Um, so I went through it, uh, played it. Story was solid, but yeah, everything else, I was like, man, this. what were they thinking on some levels? Uh, and then I looked, and the game director from the first two was different in this one. So someone had a different view of Dead Space or did not play those games and felt like one of those titles that, you know, it was two games in one. There, there was an original vision, and then they got to the planet, and there was a different vision, and it's just like a... For some, it's probably a charming mess. For me, it's just like, man, no, no, this right. is not it. Beyond Maddie, that, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you said you played the trilogy, but you forgot about Dead Space Extraction for the Wii. I, I did not play that. You're, you're right. Is that a full game? I don't. I have no clue. I just was looking at how long to beat because you I brought thought, it up. I searched Dead Space. I was like, holy shit, I forgot about this Wii game. But this a, weird cover with the girls, like, like uh, she's like, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Is that a full game? Hold on. Dead Space Extraction. Oh my god! Hold on, I, 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 okay. This is, this does look like a full Dead Space game. What? Wait, it also came to PlayStation Three. Oh my god! Oh, it's, it's a probably re- a it's move a, game. It's, it's an on rail shooter. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, dude, let's go. Oh, is it, my is it co op also? <laughs> uh, I think so. It looks like it is. On rail shooter, get out of here. Two thousand nine, it came out. So this was, this was in the middle of Dead Space Two, I think. Dead Space Extraction takes place prior to the events of Dead Space 1. Wow, so it's a prequel. Wow. That's... Uh, that's I know, it. This might need to be included for your... Uh... It might. Unlike its predecessor, Extraction is a rail shooter utilizing the Wii Remote, PlayStation 3 Move Controller, or standard DualShock 3 to aim and shoot at respective targets. Features such as stasis, zero gravity, and concepts such as dismemberment or turn, and are still key gameplay elements... Game features old weapons like the plasma cutter, flamethrower, pulse rifle, introducing new ones like the PSEC pistol from Dead Space Downfall. What is that? What is that? I'm going down the rabbit hole now. Dead Space Downfall? This is oh, an animated horror prequel to the first Dead Space. Oh my god. This looks like it says it says it's anime. Oh my god, there's Dead Space oh. anime. Holy shit. The weebs cool. we got our hands on fucking everything maddie yeah i didn't realize dead space was this uh lucrative to do all this spin-off material but clearly did not do that great i i do i do wonder with dead space extraction how it reviewed 
sorry i'm i'll stop this charade in just one sec i just i just need to i just need to take a peek real quick well hold on it got an 8.5 from ign has an 82 on metacritic holy shit that's way better than i thought 76 reviews use a score of eight from 100 reviews Dustin, holy shit! This might—I might have to play. <laughs> you might have to play it, Maddie. You're gonna have to either dust off your Wii or get the PS3 version. Well, what I'm trying to—I'm not seeing any PS3 boxes of this. Was this a download only on PS3? Yeah, it looks oh, like it is. Wait, okay. The game eventually uh, was ported to PS3 as part of the promotion surrounding Dead Space 2. Releasing parallel to Dead Space 2 across regions, it was both included as part of the PS3 limited edition as a standalone product on the PlayStation Network. Hmm. So, so I got it down. I got to dust off. I got it right here. My PS3 is right here next to me, hooked up because I sometimes need it for projects. So, just fire that though, bad boy up. Do you have it. a move controller in the eye? Do you, no, can you but play the, it that can't way? You just use the DualShock Three, and you could. You could. I just don't know if that's the intended Cause remember, experience. Yeah, this. Oh my god, this controller is such a fucking paperweight. And oh can, yeah, can't you like use it? Yeah, with the six axis. That's what it is. Mm. I remember when games used to use that. Oh right. my, that was a dark, dark time. <laughs> Dang. Uh, beyond that, uh, nothing new. I've been playing SMT four uh, on my 3ds. Almost done with that. Another situation where I know for a fact that how long to beat is under is overselling it. People were saying 80 hours. I was like, there's no way. Um, and I'm already, so it does it by chapters per moon. And there's like eight slices of the moon. So we'll say like five out of eight moon, six out of eight. moon. I'm on six out of eight moon and the game ends at full moon, of course. So we have like two chapters to go, if you will. Uh, so, I know I'm close to done with that, and I'm about 30 hours into that. Uh, and I've been playing that for the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, that's what I've been playing. Nothing new, nothing to throw out there. But Dead Space Extraction, 8 out of 10. Go play it. Maddie. real quick. Mm, are you sure. – you're not playing uh, Scarlet Nexus, are you? I want to. I do. Dude, same. I passed on it because I didn't like the demo. And – in the Digital Foundry video, they were saying, like, the combat for this game is slow at the at the beginning. And then, because you have to unlock, like, some kind of basic stuff, honestly. Okay. And I was like, mm, okay, that's, maybe that's why I didn't like it. And Colin is really enjoying it. A lot of people are enjoying it. I'm like, eh, I shouldn't. It looks great. I mean, it's a new IP. It's not an anime game. It's an anime game, but it's not, like, a, a typical Bandai anime spinoff right. game. Right, right. Yeah, I do want to play it. I have a physical copy. I bought it because the game was getting like no support, and I was like, I'm going to play this, and I do want to see it for myself. So I wanted to support the devs because, like I said, there was just no one talking about it, so I felt every copy purchase probably was a good thing for them. Yeah, for sure. But beyond that, that's what I'm playing. That to be what Dustin is playing, and now we get into the news. So first item on the menu... Dustin, we got to talk about the Nintendo Switch, the Swole-led. And uh, this was the new Nintendo Switch model revealed this week, boasting a 7-inch OLED screen. There was a LAN port installed in the uh, dock now, so you can play wired on your Switch in 2021. Um, I'm forgetting some of the other specs. Oh, a wide adjustable kickstand um, and 64 gigabytes of internal memory. So enough to install a handful of games. 
you'll still have to buy a SD card for sure for this system. Yes. Now, Dustin, I know you got a Switch Lite for Holly. I got to ask, your perspective is a little bit different from mine, I would imagine. Does this look like the type of system you, Dustin, would upgrade for and and maybe pass down the old Switch? Hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I'm intrigued, especially Mm, just because, well, we got to have our... Everyone's expectations were all over the place for this thing. And honestly, it wasn't really Nintendo's fault uh, because the rumors got out of hand, which I saw tweets of people saying like, well, it seems like potentially that rumors were getting mixed up between the OLED switch and switch Two, or, you know, that's, this is one of those things where it seems like there's definitely some kind of more powerful switch coming down the line but -hmm. what is it it's not whatever this is which is you know i feel like if there were if this was just like shadow announced without any expectations people would be like fuck yeah better screen land Mm -hmm. port i'm in so i'm trying to remove my own preconceived whatever uh you know ideas about what this thing should have been but i'm intrigued just because i have a launch switch the battery's still pretty good, but it's not as good. Uh, my The back plate is cracking a little bit just from heat. That's like a thing that has happened to a lot of people, especially with launch switches. And I am all about nice displays. I have two OLED. I have two LG OLEDs, one for my office and one for downstairs. Uh, I, you know, the, when the iPhone finally had an oled screen i like made sure like i wanted to buy that and so i think that's the thing for me that i'm like man i am very intrigued by this screen not just the fact it's oled of course we know all you know it's beautiful contrast ratio it's supposed to be much brighter um i'm actually looking ign just put out um maybe not just but today put out an article about their hands-on write-up about the new their impressions of the OLED switch and they were saying that it's much more vibrant brighter and just overall a nicer experience and so i'm like yeah i may be in for that uh i may be in for that i think that i am because i'm an idiot i mean honestly i already have a switch (laughs) i don't need this product and i honestly play it most of the time on my tv but i just i love new hardware and this is enough i think for me to to check it out. I'm only interested on a level of if I have someone I can pass down my system to. Uh, and I know my buddy Tyler wants a Switch, but he will never spend the money on it because he's just that type of guy. He wants a lot of things. He has the money for him, but he just never will. So I'm like, well, if I want to upgrade, maybe I'll give it to him. But part of me out of spite doesn't want to, right? Like part of me is like, go buy it. Go spend your money. Um, but despite all that, I was not really disappointed, or I, I shouldn't even say disappointed, because I didn't have high expectations. I I only laughed because I saw the community just really amping themselves up uh, on this Switch 2, and Nintendo just always, to me, on a hardware front, I should say. I think their software is great. I'm very excited for their followers here. Finds a way to under-deliver, right? So a lot of the stuff we're seeing here is just, to me, things we've seen in other systems uh the oled screen you know it's like hey i had a vita man and i told people in my video i was like don't undersell this thing man the, the the oled screen is is beautiful it's vibrant it'll make those colors pop and i said something like breath of the wild 2 is really going to benefit from that which is exciting 
Uh, but beyond that, you know, when I saw them promote a land port, Dustin, I almost tore my fucking hair out, man. I almost tore, tore my hair out. I didn't even have to put a caption. Like, this tweet got 2,000 likes. I didn't have to put a caption. I just put the Switch land port photo, and then I put the back of the Xbox, which is what, the first console outside of the Dreamcast. To like, I, really, the, the Xbox is the first console to launch with a land port. Dreamcast had like a, a attachable thing. But to my point is that a a console in 2021 is promoting to you that they put a land port, and I, I just thought it was a testament to how fucking shitty Nintendo views their fans. They're like, this, you're gonna be excited about this, idiot. It's like, no, you shouldn't be. Yeah, uh, you shouldn't be clapping your hands <laughs> that a company in 2021 is launching with a land port. Should have been there in the first place. I'm sorry and. They they sold here's the thing right they sold a exclusive attachment that you could connect via USB to to Ethernet which would give you wired switch internet uh, so there's I guess that's an upgrade there but uh, you know for me I just saw it and went because mm, it doesn't address what I have issues with with the switch um, and a lot of these problems didn't exist until right when next gen dropped so I get why people are putting on the pressure and they're more upset and. Uh, it's because once those next-gen consoles drop and you start getting those 4K60, um, you just want Nintendo to, hey, give us 1080p60. Like, just try right. to hit that. Like, that's your max. Uh, and I look at games that I have on my shelf that I picked up, was very excited for, Dustin, like Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I love mm-hmm. a good Warriors game. I pick it up, very interested in this one, and it doesn't run well. So, in a rare move, I grab a game... And I go, you know what? I'm not going to push through this. This is this is woefully bad. I'm not enjoying this. And this is a good game that doesn't deserve that. So I'm going to put it on the shelf. And when there's a Switch 2 that can likely run this better, I will then fire this system up and play it. But for now, I shelve it. And that was in, like, what, 2019 that game came out? I might be I might be overestimating that. But, man. Sounds right. I, you know, that to me, that's why I'm not big on the OLED Switch because it just doesn't address my problems with the console, which is there are games that look like crap. Have you played Mario Golf Duct? You have because you streamed it. Yeah. And have I, you gotten I, a look at, at some of the characters and the, and the environments? I've noticed in particular, um, yeah, some of the environments for sure. Like, well, shadows. Yeah. There's certain shadows that are like trees, and I'm like, why is this a shadow like a pixel, pixel art right. shadow? Right, um, and I should I should emphasize I'm not looking for graphical showcases. You know, Nintendo's shown that on the Switch, by the way. Luigi's Mansion Three is a fucking beautiful game, uh, and there are beautiful games on the Switch that are more art lenient. But you know, I I guess what I'm saying is there's no charm to seeing the these washed out images on Mario Golf, which is is as simplistic of a game as you can get that doesn't need to push tech boundaries. But I mean, it's a golf game, man. The most it can do is look decent, and when you put it on the big screen and that image gets blown out i mean there is some stuff that i play on a uh about a 50 something inch tv uh and it looks it looks terrible like and it doesn't distract me to the point where i'm not enjoying the game but it it's not a good looking game um and i just want them to sharpen up those images essentially yeah well and the thing too that i was watching um youtuber named modern vintage gamer uh, do yeah, you know good. this guy? Yeah, yeah, he's very he makes very good uh for the the technical minded out there. He um is a Switch developer. He like did the Shant- the recent Shantae port and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that uh the Switch only has four gigabytes of RAM and it's less actually because some of it's reserved for the OS. I was like, wow, uh oh. that is 
very low. And so his video, I highly recommend people to go check it out because his point is like, you know, when it came to PS4 and Xbox One generation, we saw these uh, quote unquote impossible ports happen, like Panic Button, whether it's for, uh, I think they did the Doom Eternal. And then I think, was it Saber that did the Witcher 3 port? Which the argument there is that those are great ports for playing in handheld. They're not going to hold up on your 4K TV. They're just not. But like, it's, you got to think about it. Like for me, imagine like, uh, I think about when like if the 360 was out and I was like, one day you're going to be able to play Bioshock on a handheld. That would have, like, blew my mind. And so it's, like, you got to think about it, like, for what it is. Um, It's not the ideal way to play a console experience, like, on your TV. But his point was that, like, now that we're getting into next gen, um, the um, amount of time time and money and budget invested to make these impossible ports is only going to get higher. And companies are going to be like, it's just not worth it. Which... I agree to that point, but I'm also kind of like I'm. I'm not interested in playing those games on my Switch. Like I don't. I'm never gonna play Doom Eternal <laughs> on a Switch. But I could understand someone wanting that if they care about it, like a portable machine. Right. Exactly, and that that's sort of where um, I I fell into is I love the ports on Switch because for a while it's like, well, this is great on PS4, but I think of like Banner Saga, right? To me, that's a Switch game. Even though it's not, it started off on PC and came to consoles. To me, that's a Switch game, right? It's a, it's a slow, methodical, tactical game with choices, lots of dialogue. And that's something you kind of want to kick your feet up for. Every game has a different vibe. So those ports are are very important. And yeah, if they're going to only go up in price, you're going to see less. And it's not like we're in the Game Boy Advance era where you'll take any game that we can really think of. I think one of the more known examples is you'll look at Star Wars uh, Revenge of the Sith, Episode 3. You look at the spin-off video game on PS2, and it's this pretty common movie game romp. You know, you're going through the familiar movie locations, you're fighting, and uh, that's really it. Then you go to the DS and Game Boy Advance counterparts, and it's this 2D side-scroller that's completely different on a mechanical level, art level. Like, it's a, a whole different game. Where nowadays, these, I put in quotes, handheld ports for something like the Switch, really just try to mimic a crunched-down version of the base product. So we're beyond that point in time now where now where the expectation is replicate the experience, uh, even if it's a little dumbed down. Um, so, yeah, they that's why they need to up their tech so that they can continue to do that. Otherwise, you know, that's it. Just ports are going to stop over time. Maddie, I have to include a side note because you mentioned Star Wars games. Mm. I saw a TikTok uh, that was very, I don't know. I can't remember who the user was, but it reminded me of did you ever play episode one? The movie uh, game on PlayStation 1? No, 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 no. Episode 1 Racer, right? Well, there's Racer, but there's also a movie game where you play through the events of the movie oh, for Episode 1. I know that, no. I played this game as a kid, but what the TikTok reminded me of is that you can kill, like, fucking every. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
everybody in the game. Like, you'll be in the Gungan world. You can kill boss nass. You just go up, slice them. Oh. There are there are Gungan women who are like, no. They, they did voice acting. You can oh, kill so Gungan it's like not children. A... Oh, <laughs> yes. oh, my God. Wow. Dude, it's... It's, I mean, it's horrible, but it's hilarious because they like Why? did the actual voice acting. <laughs> Why like, are you allowed to do this? I mean, if they the scream question. and stuff, does it just stop the game at a certain point? And they're like, yeah, you've nope. killed everyone. No, it just keeps going. I'm pretty sure you can just fucking kill everybody. You know, Qui-Gon has gone mad. Oh. And uh, he's he's had enough shit. He's had enough midichlorians and the Jedi Council. And he's <laughs> just going to, he's going to fucking kill. He, he's had enough of Jar Jar, actually. And now he's like <laughs> extermination mode. Uh, yeah. Just take out all the Gungans. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> it's brutal. Every people should look that up. It's very, very funny. Anyway, I'm sorry. The sidetrack. Switch no, OLED. Like... Um, Maddie, what do you think about these white Joy Cons? I like them. Um, I still have my same Joy Cons from launch. So Me too. I but just, did you? I, I've never. Dude, they're so expensive. I've never purchased a new set because they're so much money. I did buy a new set. But it was because they were on a price error at at Walmart, uh, and I got you know, the. They, uh, I just saw them do that for. I think it was the collector's edition of Metroid Jet Dread. They they price error to like thirty dollars, so a bunch of people came shit. in and grabbed it and and got it for that price. Dang, yeah, I have the. They're the pink and green ones, so I have those. But yeah, I thought it was kind of nice. They're offering the OLED model. You can get it with the white Joy Cons, or you can get it with uh, black and red, just like the classic. So you have that choice. And the black and red one actually has a black dock also. Oh. Which I apparently cool. also, Maddie, uh this I guess very relevant to the audience. Apparently you can also buy just the dock hmm. separately. So if you want a dock that has a land port, you will be able to pay Nintendo for that upgrade. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Papa Papa Bowser, for that. Okay. For letting us pay you. I know you can do the USB. And you can yeah. add an Ethernet, but you're right, Manny. It should have, like, dude, it's, but here's I mean, the thing, what are they going to do at this point when they already launched it without the LAN port? Like, yeah, you might as well do it now, right? That's, you know, I, I feel like I'm being a little nitpicky with it, but you know, there's a point where it's like, well, it's a little embarrassing, right? It's a little embarrassing at this point. Dude, Nintendo, I mean, we know this. They're the king of bare minimum, and this is what they've done. Um, but again, I, I, I repeatedly say this to probably to try to save myself from comments, but it never works, but that's okay. You guys can tear into me. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm part of the problem. I'm like, well, my switch is getting kind of old. I really like mine. And so I'm willing to upgrade, even though it's not like the most ideal. Uh, so yeah, I'm part of the problem. Also, apparently in this IGN article, uh, the kickstand Supposed to be one of the best new features, is which is what we're talking about, mm. bare minimum. Let me read this IGN article for just a moment. The, mm. the next most exciting feature of the OLED model, somewhat surprisingly, is actually its improved kickstand. Mm. It's no secret the base model's offset kickstand is flimsy and unreliable, but I wasn't expecting this version to provide such a uh, resounding response to the issue of the predecessor. So there you go. Dude, Number one feature, is, screen. Problem, Number two, kickstand. Which this is a problem. He's right, though. Who? Uh, let's see who wrote this. Uh, Tom Marks. He's not wrong. I mean, this, the original Switch kickstand might as well not even exist. It's yeah. so fucking bad. I Dude, agree. I remember I got my Switch, and then I went to PAX like a week or two later uh, when it came out. I remember getting on the plane and popping out the kickstand, and it was practically like vertical. 
I was like, mm-hmm. well, this doesn't fucking work, does it? How did the and, guy do it in the tips, trailer? And then, it's, and then it tips over. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this kickstand is fucking horrible. Who designed yeah. this? I agree. Uh, it's kind of sad that that's a whatever. Uh, another thing worth noting is I did see online that it's possible that this is almost like that. Well, it's clearly a half step, but the reason they're selling it now is because next year they'll be able to do the 4K output. Like they need a specific chip or something like that, like which upgrades all the hardware. And I'm imagining that's when some restrictions will have been loosened where it's easier to produce it. So they're just selling this now because they can. Here's the thing, Maddie. Uh, I've already talked about, you know, sucking the teat of Nintendo. If I buy this this year and they release the 4K version, I will truly be Nintendo's bitch. And you can add it uh, to the description of this podcast. Dustin, quote unquote, Nintendo's bitch, Furman. Because that I or just when you introduce yourself, you'll say of last stand media and Nintendo's bitch <laughs> and Nintendo's bitch, because I will buy that. I will buy that. I will be I would be up. Dude, if they release a 4K version next year after doing That's the OLED version this year, fuck, that would mm, that would piss me off. That's the thing. And dude, they're selling it for 350. That's that's what we I, I forgot to get into that almost because the price is a lot. Here's the thing, right? Let's say and I hate to imagine this. Let's say this is our switch for the next two years. All right, maybe. But I have to imagine they feel a little hard-pressed after half a decade in 2022. Let's get a new system out that is more powerful to kind of set our standards for next-gen or new Nintendo Switch. Or I hope they call it the Super Switch. I really do. But to the point, this thing is $50 more than a Series S, Dustin. And I just, you know, or you pay $50 more and you get a digital PlayStation 5. I just... I, I, this is why I say Nintendo literally is on their own fucking planet, just living life, man. And it's gotta be great, right? Like, you imagine that, like, just you are there, and it's like, hey, we set our own prices, and they don't matter. Like, you're just, you're gonna pay us this price. That's what we're saying. Mm-hmm. And people do. People do. Yep. Dude, I mean, you would really think that what they should have done was uh, lower the current switch by 50 bucks, you know? So like, let's see. What's the right now? A switch light is two hundred. Lower mm-hmm. the switch light to one fifty. Lower the standard switch to two fifty. And then mm-hmm. the uh, wait, how much is the switch OLED? Is it three fifty? Yeah. And here's the thing. Maybe this will look better when. Here's the. I should I should cut myself off before I even say that and go. When they sell you the upgraded Switch, if this is 350 that's going to be like 400 something 100%. Mm-hmm. Because this is almost going to be price pointed to say this is your this is your your medium drink. And you can get your large drink for $100 more next year. So, when they have the full package out of really the light, the OLED and this upgraded one, a family can come in and pick from whatever range they'd like. It you depends wonder, on the game separation, too. But, sorry, go on. I feel like if they're going to wait another year, potentially at least a year, two years for the next this next Switch, I think that it's going to... It's just straight-up Switch 2. It's not like an improved Switch at that point. It's like, mm. this is the next generation. It'll play all your old games and maybe better again. That's just something you'd expect, but fucking mm. Nintendo won't do that. Uh, this is Switch 2... From here on out, these games only work on Switch 2. 
Like, I feel like at that point, it, you know, it'll have been five or six years, right? Uh, 2017, 2020. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be, that's generational ch- change time. So that makes sense to me. We'll see, switch Justin. to you. Dude, everyone wants it to be just, Super Switch. No. They call it Switch U. <laughs> if they go Switch U, man, it's over. That's the thing. They If they do a new Switch and it's way more powerful, but it's in the motto of the Switch, they got to be careful because isn't that what fucked over the Wii U? People thought it was just like an upgraded Wii U and it was a whole new console. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. They, mm. It's a good question. It's it's hard when you have a console that successful. Uh, you don't want to leave it behind, but you want to make it different. They didn't do it right with the Wii U. That's for sure. Yeah. Hey, we'll see. And we'll be here to comment on it when that happens. Right. All right, Dustin. Next bit of news. Let's get into some games. GTA 6 reports have surfaced this week. And uh, some of the reveals are are quite surprising. I have a video on this that's dropping very soon. Or it'll be out by the time everyone's listening to this. So go check it out. But uh, the next two stories we're going to get into are sort of in the same vein. But uh, it's GTA 6 and Assassin's Creed Infinity. We'll start off with GTA 6. So there was a report that came out from an insider called uh, named Tom Henderson. And essentially, he, he dropped a, a boatload of details on the game. And then other major industry figures like Andy Robinson and Jason Schreier corroborated these reports saying, yes, this is what we've heard as well. So obviously, things are subject to change. But some of the noteworthy details were that it is going to release in 2024, 2025. It's going to be set in a modern-day Vice City, not in the 80s. Um, and that, more than anything, it's going to have an evolving map, Dustin, uh, with events similar to that of Fortnite, uh, almost in a live service way. And I don't know if you want to combine these two segments, but I feel like to talk about one, we should also talk about the other. Uh, Assassin's Creed Infinity. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll just combine them. Assassin's Creed Infinity, right? The, another report comes out, this one from Jason Schreier, saying, here's what... Ubisoft's next Assassin's Creed is going to look like. And he defines almost a Halo Infinite-like platform where he says Infinity is going to have multiple settings and they're going to just launch Assassin's Creed games onto this platform. Uh, and and it's going to be live service But when asked about multiplayer, he said, I don't know how or if they're doing multiplayer at all. So there are these two instances, Dustin, of, of single-player games evolving where it's like it's a online single-player game. And on one instance, you're excited because, you know, hey, it's not going to be this rigid, locked-in-a-time-period type game. It's, it's actually going to be a moving, living, breathing world. And I trust Rockstar to do it right. But, of course, we start talking monetization and not having that start and finish that games, single-player games especially, are known for. And I feel it's a slippery slope. Now, am I being too doomsday-ish? Because I think it's a little intimidating as someone who's a, a pretty big single-player purist. But I want to get your thoughts on this. So here's what I put out on Sacred, Maddie, and I'm I I want to double down on this because I okay. think if it's done this way, I'm into it. Grand Theft Auto, uh, they can go and spend a lot of time creating the world. For example, let's just say it's Vice City. They make a huge Vice City with surrounding areas. They spend a lot of time doing that. Okay. Traditionally. With GTA 5 and uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, there is a, depending on how long you want to spend with it, like 70 to 100 hour campaign. Uh, And then the world is then used for online. So part of me likes this idea that they work really hard on a world. 
and maybe it's the game comes out 70 bucks and the campaign let's say it's half as long as the last two let's say it's 30 hours and then from there it becomes more of a platform where think of GTA 4 with uh, the Ballad of Gay Tony and the Lost and the Damned where they are separate stories that take place within the world that's already established I could see Grand Theft Auto doing a, let's call it like an HBO anthology, like anthology version of their stories where maybe two to three times a year you get a new chapter. Chapter is not the right word. A new story, a new character. Mm -hmm. Maybe these characters interact with each other or maybe there's references to things that they've done. But the central point is this platform in this world that can change and adapt as well. That's intriguing to me if it's done like that. Um, I'm not so hot on the idea of live events are cool in games. We love it. You know, Fortnite has done amazing stuff. Destiny has tried to do some live event stuff, but not quite to the success of Fortnite. But it would be sad to me if it's like, oh, hey, here's some missions that are only available during this time. You gotta come play them now, or or and then they're gone forever. I'm not as big on that. Like Hitman does that, and that kind of can frustrate me because like they did that Sean Bean mission. Mm. I'm like, man, I just want to hear Sean Bean in the game, but I can't anymore. I don't think maybe it is. Someone can correct me if you can go back and do that. But those are limited. But luckily, that was a pretty small sliver of Hitman is doing that. But. Just to summarize, I'm into the idea of building a world in which you then can create multiple smaller stories in that maybe you can buy piecemeal instead. You know, $30 for this story, $30 here. A lot of the development work that probably, I don't, want, I don't know how it works, but a ma- maybe a majority, a significant portion of, of GTA development is on the fucking world. Because it's so big and it's, you know, there's so many moving parts and things going on. So, like, it would be a way to increase revenue because they can just reuse some of the stuff they have. And I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. I, um, I'm less crazy about it. I think what sort mm. of distracts the conversation is, of course, it's Rockstar. And Rockstar will do it right. You know, I don't want to say it like it's a guarantee because people were saying the same about CD Projekt Red. But I trust Rockstar enough where they're not going to botch this idea entirely. Uh, on a quality level and on a because they they already have in their single player worlds they're so dense where you can just have these interactions everywhere that every time you hop in you might see something new because they put so much attention to detail in their world but it like i said it's a slippery slope because you see ubisoft already hopping in we know halo infinite's doing a similar thing uh where they're going to launch new halo games or updates through the infinite platform and I can't help but look at this and see that maybe, not always, but traditional single-player games are, are shifting a little bit, uh, where maybe you will get that, let's say GTA 6 launches, it is that standard map, and there's certain things that happen, but if you're connected online, then that can evolve and update, and you can see more. And that's cool, right? That, that's cool. Like, none of this is, 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 it sounds bad. None of it sounds like I'm, I'm going to enjoy the game less. But, and I know you could probably relate to this, there is something alluring about single-player games compared to multiplayer or live service or battle royales or what have you because a game starts and finishes. When your map is constantly evolving and events are happening in the world, 
you never feel like you're qu- truly quite done. And I, I think there's something powerful about games that have no problem ending and supporting it, maybe DLC or an expansion, but then you just move on, right? Um, and I think once people start to see that you can really, without having... I feel like a company such as EA is going to foam at the mouth when they see this. And I don't, I don't do it to scapegoat them, but they tried to monetize single-player games with Day 1 DLC with Mass Effect 3. That was important to the story. Dead Space 3 I went back to. The microtransactions in that game were fucking insane. Really underrated microtransaction kind of game experience. Like, it, it, it would have resource kits that you would need. It would give you, like, less drones so that you'd have to buy these uh, scavenger bots, or what they're called. You have to buy those. You could... Like, they just piecemeal you everywhere. So they try it, and obviously it doesn't work or fit. So now they see something like this where it's like, oh, we can build a single-player world and then monetize it and evolve it. And I don't want to be too doomsday-ish about it. I just, like I said, think it's a slippery slope where someone like Rockstar, who has the revolving door of GTA Online money, can say, like, let's take our time with it. Let's do this right. Hey, Infinite can sort of do the same thing. You got Microsoft at your back. You know, we can take our time and do this right. But I think it really stops there in a lot of instances where I don't think these companies have earned the trust to be handed the keys to a single-player evolving world castle and and start hitting us with the... with Absolutely, games are going to be monetized. And it's going to change how games are made. And I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. Uh, we're, we're, Assassin's Creed Infinity has already been more deemed a live service title gta is just they call it an evolving map and that wording is uh, difference is important but i i just can't find myself sitting here going yeah i'm sure it'll all work out because i feel Mm -hmm. like that would be foolish of me to do right yeah i think that you're i don't actually disagree with anything you said um i feel like we've portrayed two sides of the coin and we just gotta see how it lands i think that uh your concerns will definitely come true from certain publishers. You mentioned EA mm-hmm. um, and or, you know, even someone like, you know, Call of Duty or something, though. Yeah. I don't see Call of Duty doing this because they can sell $70 games once a year. No problem. Um, so, yeah, it's it would it'll be interesting to see how different companies do this. And I think that. Well, something that will be telling is Halo. They are yeah. the first to really do this in a single-player capacity, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, Halo, or not Halo, Destiny 2, ever-changing game, content comes in and out. They charge you 40 bucks a year for the new content, plus season passes. So, basically, you're, it might be 30 30 a year plus season pass. Basically, if you are a consistent Destiny player, they're getting you for around $60 a year, which arguably I'd say it's worth it because they add a shit ton of content over over time. Mm. Um, so, you know, content, work, whatever, deserves pay. Right. Um, the the question that I think, the Maddie, what you're bringing up specifically is like, at what point uh, or what companies start nickel and diming you for everything in a single player game and then you're kind of like which mm-hmm. dude arguably Assassin's Creed games already do this you know <laughs> yeah, they right. they charge you yeah. for the you know the the wolf skin pack or something or you, you know right. whatever yeah. or uh the cheat code thing or the EXP boost and it's like 
they're already halfway there. Some of these fuckers, like, come on. Yeah, they're just pulling so, the trigger now. Yeah. No, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong, and I guess that's what concerns me. And I I think what you're going to also see it on the bright side, because I, like I said, I don't want to act too doomsdayish about it, is I do think you're going to see some other probably smaller developers kind of double down on more pure single player games in the coming years. Uh, just like you buy it and the game is the game and that's it. There, that's all there is to it. Um, because there will be something appealing about that to a crowd where, you know, you can buy a game and that will be it. And I can't all but look at a game. Like I remember as someone who follows Bethesda a lot, uh, you know, I remember Todd Howard talking about elder scroll six, you know, comes out in 2011 GTA five in 2013 um around the same time we haven't seen an entry from either series since then um and i remember todd saying well we're waiting on technology for what we want to do with elder scrolls 6 and i always said you know it'd be one of two things i said they're either going to do multiple settings you know it's not just going to be like you know skyrim or or cyrodiil like it's it's going to be multiple settings where perhaps they will evolve the world and add more, almost on an MMO level, but in a single-player fashion. Like, ESO covers all these lands in Tamriel, but this will be more of the handcrafted BGS experience for the Elder Scrolls Six. So I'm like, maybe it'll be that, where the game launches as that, multiple settings, or it's kind of what I, I don't want to say fear, but the idea of them launching with Hammerfell and using Elder Scrolls Six as a platform to then add more to that said i don't think they would call it elder scroll six so there's also that right but you know i i did want to point that out because todd saying that and then this game not coming for another probably five years or so puts us in a completely different area in gaming it's another half decade uh where a lot can change and so we'll see what elder scroll six ends up being but i just want to point out these things that are transpiring all over the place because I think it can be a slippery slope. I think it can end up in either a pretty good spot or not the best spot. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. Last on our news, Dustin, is the state of play reaction. So there was a July state of play for PlayStation highlighting Deathloop and a number of indie titles. It was about half an hour long. Um, what did you, you think of this show? Did you watch the whole thing? Yes, I did. And I thought it was pretty good not great but i mean they set the expectations right that's the most important thing is that they were like it's gonna be a big chunk about death loop i'll be talking about some indies and third party stuff but they weren't like you know oh who knows you gotta be there you know like i i appreciate that they were kind of upfront. it's like yeah we're gonna be covering some some random stuff and death loop it's like oh and then i think that they I don't want to say over-delivered, but, like, the the Death Stranding director's cut, I mean, that was pretty big news uh, beyond third party. I mean, that's technically a, a second-party game. Right. Um, but, yeah, I thought this was a nice, short, tight little program. Not all the games looked, like, uh, of high quality, in my opinion. <laughs> but a lot of them, I think, did look very good. Yeah, we're, what were some of your highlights? highlights uh moss book two Mm. this kicked my butt into saying hey you need to play the first moss you've been wanting to play that game for years and you never have so it's like now i have like a timeline like okay i gotta beat that before uh the the next one comes out that looked cool 
This game, uh, which I think has a terrible name, Fist, Forged <laughs> in Shadow Torch, the one with the bunny. Do you know what right, I'm talking about? the side-scrolling one, right? Yeah, I thought this looked cool. It's like a, you know, it's a distinct art style. Mm-hmm. They have, like, clearly the furries are going to go wild. There's already some character that I'm sure has, uh, like, some Rule 34 level shit going on. Uh, Cat, I believe. But, uh, you know, I like Metroidvanias, and so this is, like, kind of like a high production value mm. Metroidvania game. So I'm into that. Okay, biggest stinker is this Hunter's Arena game. Hunter's Arena Legends. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Sounds like a mobile game. Tell me about it because I did not catch this. This, okay, first of all, uh, what the fuck is up with adding legends to at to the end of everything? <laughs> okay, we've got uh, the Elder Scrolls Legends. We've got Hoods Hood Outlaws and Legends. We've got Hunters Arena Legends. Ghost of Tsushima like, Legends. Ghost of Tsushima Legends. We've had enough legends. Okay, enough. <laughs> we the book is full at this point. Anyway. This game is already out on Steam and Early Access, and it's like a hack-and-slash battle royale game from South Korea, which sounds interesting. But it has kind of like this cool, very South Korean fantasy-style look to it, kind of like Black Desert. And then they're like, oh, and you can customize your character. And a guy shows up with uh, like in a 70s spandex and a disco ball staff. I'm like, no, why? Like, you, you had something that looked semi-consistent. The VO was really off for it, and... Yeah, I, I don't even really know. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, another Battle Royale game, I guess. Right. And it just doesn't... It's it's not doing it for me. But... I'm trying to think what else in here, Matt. Maddie, did you see this Demon Slayer game? Yes. Yes, I did. I, I mean... it looked good. It looks um, good. Yeah. It, it looks like an anime it. game. It looks... I mean, I always thought, I'm like, well, it's an anime game. Like, it's a Sega slash Bandai Namco anime game. I'm sure the fans will love it and buy it up. But if you're <laughs> not connected to that uh, that IP, probably nothing there for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. You know... I was reading an article, I think it was from IGN, or was it Game Informer? I think it was Game Informer, and they were just like, yeah, it really under-delivered, and it was in the Suzumi Mansion. It's where you meet Inosuke in the show, and they're like, it was very empty in the mansion, and I'm sitting there going, has this person ever watched the fucking show? Because it's supposed to be empty. It's supposed to be like a labyrinth, where they like track the, the demon through sound. Um, oh. And so, yeah, it was kind of interesting, because I saw some people reacting that way, and it I think it was more so to show how it replicated the show, which I watched at the start of this year, and it is excellent. I really like it. Uh, the I need to watch it. Great. It's it's so good. I do like. I need it to a watch lot. it. Watch it in Japanese though. The English dub did not oh, do this game favors. 
Uh, I hope you can play in Japanese. I imagine you can. It's kind of, I will say, it's cool. It is having it at launch. There's a lot of games that I think could have, funny enough, benefited from a dub, um, but didn't do it. This game already has a dub, which shows how popular Demon Slayer is, but I am going to play it in sub for sure. Definitely do not judge it based off its its dub. There's no offense to the actors. Just there's a level of intensity by the Japanese cast that is not being hit in this trailer. Dude, Manny, this is, again, another side note. I'm full of side notes today, but I think it's relevant to the conversation. You were saying how popular Demon Slayer is. Yeah. When I was uh, when I was in Virginia, I went to this mall, the Potomac Hills Mall, okay. and it's a pretty big mall, and I went into a few different stores. But what I noticed, I was like, man, anime is everywhere. Like, yeah. in so many of the stores, like, I went into, like, a bookstore, um, and there's, like, anime shit everywhere. And if you go into Barnes & Noble, there's, like, a huge not, – not beyond manga, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, just, you know, stuffed animals and toys and stuff. Right. Um, I'm just – like, everywhere I went in this mall, I was finding anime stuff. And I'm like – and then you, now you see people, you know, anime clothes and stuff and the success of the Demon Slayer movie. And I'm like, this is just so – crazy to me i know i'm not that old at 27 but i remember when like we had dragon ball z and whatever else was on toonami and we were like kind of the weird kids for watching that and now look at anime it's like dude huge it's awesome i think it's great it is great it's just you really look at it i remember i used to get judged for watching anime like yeah yeah uh, it's it's funny how it's really changed but i'm glad it has um, yeah, there shouldn't have been a stigma in the first place. Uh, other games at State of Play, of course. Let's talk the highlight. What did you think of Deathloop? Nine minute showcase. Did, you know, I don't know if you were on the fence or not. Did this do anything for you? I am. I've been trying to figure out how to put this, Maddie. I'm a mm-hmm. little. I don't know if confused is the right word, but <laughs> maybe that is the right word. I see the gameplay for Deathloop, and I instantly, of course, see the Dishonored. DNA. There's right. moves that that blink move is pulled straight from Dishonored. That's great. Okay. I'm I'm happy about that. And they were showing um some of the more uh Dishonored like qualities and that they're like, okay, we're gonna go in and kill this guy this way, but there's multiple ways to do it. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. more I like this. You're you're speaking my language. But at the same time, you're just fucking killing everybody. Everyone's getting shot. There's a d- different weapons thrown around, and I'm like, Ooh, uh, this is not bad. Different. And I'm like already thinking in my mind, I'm like, does this game want me to kill everybody? Am I supposed to be stealthy? Am I not? Yeah. Like, I'm trying to figure out what... Because, like, Dishonored, you can kill everybody if you want to. It's it's hard. It's not the ideal way. They They encourage a stealth-based gameplay or you know a mix of stealth and maybe like you assassinate people Mm -hmm. this one goes like full throttle fast so i was like i don't know what this how this game wants us to play it um maybe the trailers are showing just like a more combat focused gameplay because that's how uh, a more mainstream approach is but what did you Mm -hmm. think man i know you also a dishonored fan right big time so how do you feel about this duality? I can't help but look at Deathloop, and it just must be the way they're marketing it, because I've heard them say, yeah, you could do stealth, you know, you could take your time, like, because they say you're on a timer to kill everyone, but you're not on an actual countdown Majora's Mask level timer. 
So I'm like, okay, cool. You can stealth, but everything they've shown is the polar opposite of what I play an arcane game for. I take Prey as an example. Prey is a game you can use Typhon abilities, guns, and and you can go crazy and have a more destructive romp. But And in fact, I wouldn't even say it's Discourage, kind of like Dishonored, where they don't want you to kill everybody, but you can. I think Prey is much more open to how do you want to play the game. And then the actually game world responds to it, which makes it even cooler. This looks like Dishonored, but it's encouraging aggression, which, as I said at the top, isn't why I play an arcane game. It's that freedom of choice where, you know, I think Prey really got it the best. Like, hey, you can go Typhon ability, kill everything. You can stealth, take down. Of course, the first Dishonored, one of my favorite games of all time. I mean, I adore that. And that's like just the sandbox levels, how just open to to approach it is. I want that. But so far, the gameplay and the level design, something I've seen in the trailers is the level design does not look like it's it's that increased verticality you're crawling through buildings and and approaching the like the level how you want to track down your target it looks almost like you're kicking down the doors and boom 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 shooting everyone and then you find your target that way like like almost it looks like if machine games tried to make a dishonored game like that's how i view it because it says balls to the wall action and all the trailers and i'm like okay i think they've sold that enough right because every time they've marketed this game i go okay like, yeah, there's going to be action. Okay, gonna, but they keep doing that. They have showed stealth one time for, like, 30 seconds. And that was it. So I don't think it's going to be ideal. And as a Arcane fan, I will trust them, because they've really never let me down. Dishonored 1, 2, Death of the Outsider, Prey, have all been fantastic to me. So I will go into this trusting that they will deliver a quality product. But this is also the first launch for them I have gone into it with uh with tempered expectations right i'm glad maddie you have summarized i think we're on the exact same page for this which is good um for sacred symbols which will be out public on monday we had a discussion about this and uh colin and chris were like pumped and they had no reservations that i had and so i was like Mm. am i I off base here uh but no i don't think i am and i you have confirmed uh we are on the same page which is good and I think I think you I think it's an important distinction that you just made, Maddie, in that we're very excited still. I'm like pumped to play this game, which yeah. I will be playing it on uh, PC and not PS5. Oh, Crazy oh. oh. dude, something about Dishonored when I played it on PC, I was like, yeah, this feels. Even though Dishonored right. 2's PC port was less than desirable at launch, that was a, a pretty that was a that was one thing I shouldn't have left out well, when complimenting them. I mean, the PS4 port was less than desirable at oh, launch was also. Oh. Yeah, dude, the input lag on that game is weird. Oh, I yes. Don't know if... Yes, yeah. Yeah, it was very disappointing. To the point where I rented it at launch, like from Redbox, when they still rented <laughs> games. And I put Damn. it in, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. And I was like, well, I'm not buying this right now because I can't, I mm-hmm. feel like I can't play it. Right. So, Arcane, good studio, and I'm excited for this game. Very much I, so. I get a little... Because I know Colin, he said he's big on Redfall. I'm less mm. crazy about Redfall compared to anything else. At least Deathloop has some of that DNA. But I also understand why Arcane's taking this route. Their games... I don't know if you know this. Their games have not sold well. No. Really at all. Yeah. Dishonored 1 did very well. 
But beyond that, it has been a pretty bumpy ride for them. I think Prey did all right. You know, it had a good second wind. But that was mostly thanks to Game Pass. So I just... It sucks. Dishonored 2 is so fucking good. If you're listening to this podcast, please. Like, that is one of the... I honestly, Maddie, it's in the top, at very least, top five most underrated games. Not underrated. Underappreciated, because I think it reviewed pretty well. No, it did it is, review well, but I get what you're saying. It is underappreciated. Dude, the level in the mansion, the, is it the Clockwork Mansion? Clockwork Mansion, yeah. Dude, that level is so fucking good. There's so many cool ideas in that game. So many unique, like, uh, assassinations or ways you can deal and complete the mission. And then you can do it for two different <sighs> characters. Like, that's the craziest exactly. part, right? You go in with a different character, it's a whole different approach. I mean, one of the most well-thought-out sequels you'll play. Absolutely. And even if you haven't played the first one, you can get away with it and enjoy it. But, oh, my God. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. And so that's why I get why they're experimenting, which is a good thing, but also unfortunate. Like, Redfall, four-player co-op, and they're going to have these open levels, but almost in, like, districts across the map. It could be cool, right? Like, co-op, open world with a buddy in Arcane. But they tried that to some slight extent with uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood, where that was machine Mm. games and Arcane. And let me just say... Not great, especially no. on the dialogue front. Terrible. So, uh, I'm Deathloop. Maybe the last of an era from them. So I'm I'm going in with open open eyes and an open mind. We'll see where it goes. Uh, what do you think of Sifu? Sifu, this game uh, looks great. I'm yeah. very I'm interested in it. Uh, I thought that the whole aging mechanic looked pretty pretty cool, pretty neat. Um, I didn't play, uh, what was the last game? I forgot it on Sacred Symbols also, and I can't remember. Uh, it was published by Devolver, uh, that they did. Another fighting oh, game. Absolver. 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 Yeah. I almost said Observer. I'm like, it's not Observer. That's a different That's game. That's Bloober Team. Bloober Team. Our favorite Bloober Team. Yes. <laughs> there's some guy, there's probably like one guy from Bloober Team that listens. To this. I was like, trashing him on Bloop. Defining Duke, and I said, hey, if anyone's listening, just know, I do kind of as a joke, but I also, like, don't get it twisted. I, I'm not a fan of your games, but, hey. Dude, Maddie, it's funny because through doing Sacred Symbols, I've learned about either people or studios that have a high listener count. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I would rather not know. I mean, it's yeah. not going to stop yeah. me. I'm still going to say a whatever bad I when think. You let it rip, though, right? Right, but it's in, still in the back of my mind. I'm still, you know, I'm going to speak my mind. Whatever. That's what. That's what. That's what you're paying me for. That's what everyone, you know, comes yeah. to us for. Yeah. But it's like I'd rather not know. <laughs> who's of course, listening. yeah. I don't know. I generally don't know how many people from Xbox listen to our show at all. I know they do because we're one of oh, the top shows. To but like. You know, I, I mean, I'm also pretty unfiltered, so they probably take me less serious and listen to COG. That's probably what happens. I do like the feeling of knowing that Sony PR listens to Sacred Sims. Like, I'm, it makes me feel good uh, yeah. just because, <laughs> like, I'm like, you guys, like, well, no, I'll, we praise them when, when praise is due, of course. We love PlayStation, but, mm-hmm. like, man, sometimes the, the fuck-ups are insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie, Death Stranding. Ah, Directors... Yes cut unless i'm oh, sorry i didn't know PlayStation, if, right sorry I, I didn't know if you had anything about sifu i just kind of transitioned uh, yeah i think I it looks excited. cool i'm a little upset at the delay but you know i'll live oh yeah right right so this training director's cut september 24th ten dollar upgrade if you already own the game and uh something i want to point out here maddie is that in this blog post here's what they said 
And I thought this was just like kind of a low-key diss. Oh. So the new content isn't simply bolted on either. It's been carefully woven into the core game experience and will be made available through Discovery as you play. Hmm. When literally last week they announced the new Ghost of Tsushima, and they're like, it's a separate island yeah. uh, that you can play. I'm like, is that? I mean, it made me unintentional. I, but... I think it might be subtle. And the reason I say that is because with the $10 upgrade compared to 30 for PlayStation yeah. or the 10 from PS4 to PS5. Like there was a, a more of a, I put it in quotes because I don't think it was so substantial, but a controversy for PlayStation. Whereas uh, this seems like a just one time upgrade and you don't got to worry about a much bigger price tag than $10. Dude. But yeah, it looks good. I'm, I want to play this game again. I have thought about this game regularly over, I guess that was a 2019 game, right? Uh, yes. Man, it was already 29. So this is going to, yeah. yeah, wow. Time flies. I know but, it was because it was pre-pandemic, then the pandemic happened. Everyone was like, Death Stranding! Wow! Oh, so, yeah. That's what, how I remember it now. <laughs> yeah. So I will definitely play this again. I've, I've been wanting to play this game again, and I want to be able to play it and enjoy it. Because I get in the mode where it's like... Specifically, I think for Death Stranding, I, I wanted to make sure I beat it before Colin and Chris did their spoiler cast. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to just go through and like really enjoy it. Set up uh, like highways and stuff, like really go all out. Which, dude, some of the bonus added a cannon. The fucking cannon, dude, is yeah. awesome. And there's like the robot that you can like ride around. Like, it looks like they added quality of life enhancements and more combat, which was really nice. You know, I, I, that was my biggest thing. Is look, I don't need to be a mindless drone and give me tons of combat, but give me something to do. That's what I'm talking about. Like, just give me a little something to do. I get it's a cool Zen game, but a couple of moments of of flair in between your twos and fro's might add for a little more gameplay intensity. Yeah, yeah. It's um. There's quite a bit here too. I'm looking at the blog posts. Like, uh, I'm very curious about the adaptive triggers. Mm. Uh, like holding those bad boys down while you're climbing down a mountain, and yeah, then so of that course, could be uh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. 3D audio, of course, right. instant loading, uh, a performance mode with upscaled 4K up to 60 FPS, and fidelity mode, which is native 4K, with both ultra-wide and HDR support. I didn't mm. know PS5 could do ultra-wide. That's, uh, mm. that's that kind of interesting. Is that for PC? That's PlayStation blog you're reading. Never mind. Right. It says both ultra-wide and HDR support. That's a weird thing to say. I didn't even pick up on that yesterday. Interesting. Huh. Well, beyond that, I mean, I thought it was a pretty solid state of play. I thought they showed a lot yeah. of interesting stuff. Judgment looks great. Lost Judgment. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, I have Judgment on my shelf. I want to play it within the next month before this sequel comes out. But very excited about that game. It looks excellent. Uh, kind of like yeah. what Yakuza was before Yakuza went turn-based. So, they've got it going on, man. That studio's got it going on, so very excited to see that game, but it looks beautiful, and I can't wait to play it. So, good state yeah. of play overall. Probably one of their best, in my opinion. I would go to that length, but um, they also had a lot of weeby stuff, so, yeah. All right, let's get into, last but not least, the patron questions. We got more this week than last week, Dustin. That's the good news, right? Last okay. week, we were we were left... We were left a little bit alone by our audience, you know? We're not going to make them... Well, we're going to make you feel a little bad about it, right? You're a part of the show as much as we are. 
We Careful here, Maddie. If you encourage like this, natural calamity is going to start bumping up his question count again. That's true. You know, he's That's not what we're asking, complicate. right? Yeah, no, we're we're not asking for that. <laughs> he's the first one on on the list here. Actually, I saw. Is he? I had uh, no. He's ready we, to go. Did we get him? Yeah, we did get. We did not get him. All right, let's get him first. Then. Good morning, Maddie. The man with a plan, and Dustin of Last Stand Media, fame and glory, and hopefully my man, the legend, the one and only Cognito. Love, love what you've done with Duke. It's going to be a fun ride with Cog. Looking forward to watching every crazy, crazy episode. Why can't I read with you two? Keep up the good work over there. Now to my riveting questions. Oh, okay. Number one, I'll be the judge of that if it's riveting. Yeah, Maddie yeah. and I will be the judge on if it's riveting. Yeah, let's okay. see if this That's is a bold statement. Do you ever see the internet ever moving away from regard from the regard of holding one studio or person in such high regard, or what I usually call the Jesus complex? thinking that they will change the world forever for them or ultimately <laughs> to ultimately fail or live up to expectations, not, not in the way to satiate that hunger. So there is an inevitable explosion in the community. So this is people like Kojima, Todd Howard, the, the, the God complex that surrounds them. CD project red, of course, the most recent one, like they do no wrong. Do you ever see right. the internet stepping away from that? I think over time we're seeing it more and more. Like people are more critical of Todd, more critical of Kojima. I feel like, I don't want to say they're just detractors, but there are more detractors than previously. I don't think this is an internet thing. I think this has always happened that people do amazing things. They get elevated. And as they get higher and higher uh, and are more in a spotlight, people become more critical about them. And if they fuck up, it is a more public thing because of how, you know, well-known they are. This is, I mean, you can think of like, I don't know why this is coming to mind, but I'm thinking of like, uh, you know, you hear stories about like famous classical composers that were like super, fa- like the rock stars of their time. And then like, they would do like crazy shit, like, mm-hmm. like rock stars and stuff. And that was like, you know, hundreds of years before uh, the internet, obviously the internet has changed how these things happen. Um, and especially like how the, the, the piling on, we can say. And sometimes yeah. it's deserved. The pile on on, on CD Projekt Red deserved. Right. Uh, not on the individuals, to be very clear. Of course. Don't go after individual developers. Go after the companies a- as a whole, right? Um, so, yeah. I don't think it's going away, to, to summarize. Mm. Interesting. Second question. A thing I've been feeling lately with the coverage of games... Why do people have to spoil if it's there or not? Like Jason Schreier coming out and saying, oh, Starfield won't be at E3, taking away the element of surprise and really making me regret looking at the news at all. What is your thoughts on news reporters or news outlets ruining the surprise? I think a good example of this, too, is Jeff Grubb with uh, Dead Space. Because we talked about this on Defining Duke when Ben joined the show. This was one of our Mm. questions there. Uh, And someone had asked, you know, is it right that they're spoiling game announcements and it's a tough line to walk because they're doing their job right um but but uh if they don't someone else will you would imagine well couldn't this be uh accused of you maddie for the kotor stuff yeah that's what i said you've semi well almost see i think about it in multiple ways like a rumor is different or like you going on the record and saying like KOTOR is coming mm-hmm. and it's this team. No matter what, there's going to be 
a question of whether or not that's true. Even if you have a great track record. Like, for example, right. I think it was Bloomberg that put out the OLED 4K Switch stuff. And it was wrong. Yeah. yeah. So there's always a questionable element to it. So there's still excitement behind it. And, guys, Jeff Grubb he doesn't have a perfect track record. No, he does not. So, again, you can – basically a lot of these rumors just serve as a way to plant the seed of excitement or disappointment. It's a little different, though, when, like, uh, Kotaku went and they, like, leaked uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, like, with full, like, branding and screenshots. and Right. I think that comes into a more question of, like, you're really just kind of doing this uh, and ruining – the way that they want to present it. Um, I'm of two minds though, because I'm like, that's what a reporter does. It's their Mm -hmm. job to Mm -hmm. to find these things out. So I don't know. What do you think, Maddie? I am of the mindset that um, obviously it sucks, right? Like as someone who's kind of done it to an extent, like, yeah, I get it. But am I even saying it's to defend myself, but I feel like it's best to do if a question's being asked. So no one was really asking is dead space being remade. No one was asking that, right? No one was asking about Assassin's Creed Infinity. Like, no one was doing that. Um, And not that Infinity is, like, this big spoiler, but I'm just saying, I think if questions are being asked and you have the answers, then that information can be powerful because the community is asking about it. Switch being that instance. Like, I'm happy that Bloomberg did pull the trigger in one way because people were asking a lot of questions. um, And they got it half right. So uh, there was that, but... I just, I feel in my case with KOTOR, it's like, of course, I have a community who's just hungry to, to see this game. And it's, you know, once you get that information, you're like, well, yeah, it's real and it's happening and it's from Aspire. Uh, you know, I can tell you that for sure. And so um, it depends if, if someone's asking. I do think there's a little bit of almost uh, antsiness uh, uh, from reporters where they don't want, they, they think, they probably, I would be shocked if like, let's, crawl into the mind of jeff grubb for a moment here and just totally assume we know what he's thinking i would be a little shocked if like he didn't think for a sec should i do this like when he starts doing his report on dead space remake like should i should i let people know this is something that's coming and i think that's totally reasonable to ask yourself that but on the other side it's like well is it is are they going through with it because someone else will take it if they don't are they going through with it because it's their job um i just i once again i really I believe, and that's not for everyone, I believe if the question's being asked, like for me, I was told, I said it on our show here, I was told, hey, Mass Effect multiplayer is coming back. I don't know when, but it is coming back. Probably sometime this year would be my guess, but it is happening. And it's like, okay, well, I, I as someone who's been talking about it a shit ton, but also my audience has happens to like it, and they've been asking. So it's like, yeah, here's this information that you've been looking for. I can say like, yeah, they're, they're doing something with it. Um. It really just depends on if a question is being asked. But beyond that, I think it should be just sort of like, keep it to yourself. Or, kind of like what happened with Tom Henderson at the top of the show, someone says something, you could corroborate it, then that information is equally as powerful, because it almost uses validity. Um, it's There's not like one a one-trick answer. So it's kind of a long-form response to it. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. Thank you. Now, were those riveting questions? Um... Yeah, I uh, I don't know about riveting. They were they they sparked a thought for sure. Yeah, they were intriguing. Um, pretty good though, natural. You know, I won't harp on you, natural, <laughs> because you have cut down as asked. 
<laughs> we've harp, you know, we've we've kind of, you know, been, uh, you know, not rude, but we've, you know, uh, we, we, we've critical. ribbed natural a little we bit more that, yeah. than, than than anyone else on the show. Yeah, he can take it though. You know, yeah, he's, that's he's what I like. Player. You know, when we told him to settle it down, and he played off of it, that's when you knew natural's natural's that guy. Yeah. All right, Cody Richter's up next. Hey, green eggs and ham. To respond to Maddie's comments last week about my childhood, right? I remember this. I did receive physical games as gifts for Christmas, birthdays, etc. I even purchased physical games as an adult and was the 20-something-year-old who lived at GameStop and traded in old games. But with my girlfriend getting into gaming and getting her own consoles, we moved into digital mainly for the game share capabilities. Plus, the digital storefronts have some great sales from time to time. Okay. Good to know. Thank you, Cody, for following up. Anyway... My ideas about the new Switch were clearly far-fetched. The OLED Switch was announced today, and besides the screen and a few minor improvements, it doesn't seem like much of an upgrade to the base console I already have. I personally won't be picking it up, but was curious to hear if you guys were interested in it and what your thoughts on it were, which, Dustin, we already did this. We covered this is when you it. you know we're doing our job. There you go, Cody. All right. Cody, thank you for writing in and following up. I appreciate it. Sean Mason, our next write-in. Hey, men that are sexy. This past weekend, my fiance and I dug out her old PS2, and it still had the OG memory card in it. We booted up to see what games were on it. Most of them were pretty popular PS2 games like Sly, Ratchet, and Jack, but one that caught my eye was titled The Adventures of Cookies and Cream. I had never heard of it, so I took to the internet, and it turns out it's a From Software co-op platformer. I couldn't believe I didn't know what it was, and as my sister and I devoured co-op platformers during the PS2 era. So my question, what is the time in your life you discovered a game that was right up your alley in the terms of your taste, but you never knew it existed? Best, Sean M. This is a cool question. Have you heard of this game as Mr. FromSoft? You're, you're I, Nintendo's bitch and Mr. FromSoft. Yes, I have. So when he said it, I didn't, I couldn't think of it, but I have heard of this. Like when I see the the album, not album, the, the cover art, man, the cover art is uh, something else. Mm. But um, I'm trying to think of his a game that I never that I was like, man, this is totally up my alley. I'm trying to think. Okay, so I'll I'll answer that. I need a moment to think about it. But I will say something that's very interesting is that I knew there was a game on uh, I think it was PS Vita or P- I think PSP. It's like well, a mini game, uh, and also iPhone called Furmins. F U R M I N S. And I it's like about to be your last name. <laughs> yeah. So, but what's funny is I was talking about this on my stream playing Returnal, and someone was like, Dustin, Housemark made Furmans. I was like, no, no. And I looked at it. I was like, yeah, that's a game that Housemark made. So I'll think for a minute. But, Maddie, is there a game that you like discovered yeah. later? Yeah, I actually just looked at the top left corner and I saw my DS collection. And I was like, oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, so for me, it was Dragon Ball Z Attack of the Saiyans. So this Whoa. is a DS exclusive. It's a turn-based RPG with, you know, you play as like a party of like TM, Yamcha, uh, Krillin. Like you're not playing as the OG, like, you know, Goku and Gohan, all that stuff like you would typically expect. It's like I said, turn-based it's got leveling up, skills, all this stuff. And I'm like, I grew up a diehard Dragon Ball fan. I love turn-based RPGs. I love role-playing games in general. And I love handheld gaming. And so all of these combined into one, and it exists. I thought, wow, you know, this is why I love that era of gaming. Handhelds were so cool because there were so many games coming out um, that I had never heard of. And this was one I, I picked up. Uh, so that would be that would be my selection personally. 
I'll go with uh, a game that I always knew about, but uh, never fully played until like a year or two ago was Half-Life. I played all of the Half-Life games oh. and Portal 2, and it was fantastic. I I am now, uh, you know, that's like one of the bigs, big ones mm. that I never fully played. Like I played some of Half-Life 2 when it came out like years ago, but yeah, those games, awesome. Nice. Disturbed Broski is our next write-in. Hey, everyone. Hope your day is going well. I recently beat Yakuza Like a Dragon on Xbox Game Pass, and it quickly became one of the all-time favorite games for me. That being said, it's actually one of, if not the only JRPGs I've played besides Pokemon, if that even counts. So my question for you, gentlemen, is what other JRPGs would you all recommend? Thanks, guys, for your suggestions, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Broski. Justin, this is a question perfectly tailored to us. A JRPG. You gotta pick them. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Dude, I'm. I'm jrpg noobs um i mean persona 5 royal of course of course i just feel like the combat is so good it's easy to get hooked in Mm -hmm. other jrpgs the combat isn't always as far as turn-based is you know can be a little slow boring so like i would not recommend someone who's not into jrpgs to play dragon quest 11 like that game is definitely very traditional yeah traditional grindy so uh yeah Persona, Persona Fire Royal, Persona 4 Golden still holds up. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other stuff that I would recommend to someone who's not as much into JRPGs. I will toss out the Tales of series. Uh, We have Tales of the Abyss coming out this fall, which actually looks like a Tales of game with a budget. Um, Given that you said you've never really played many JRPGs, I'd imagine you've never experienced this series. So look into Abyss, uh, or Tales of... Wait, is that the right name? Is it Abyss? No, it's well, uh, that that was the old one. What am I thinking of? This is the I'm th- I'm thinking of the one coming out in September. Arise, arise. Thank you. Abyss is the old one. I'm sorry. Tales of Arise is the one I'm suggesting because it does look really good. Uh, Tales of games are notorious for not having a great budget, but good action combat. Uh, but they usually have good stories, good character interactions. They have skits and all this stuff. A lot of personality in these games. Uh, and this looks like a big one for a lot of new players to get in. You don't have to experience the other ones. It's kind of like Final Fantasy in that way. You can hop in to Final Fantasy VIII and play that for the first time and, and never have experienced any other Final Fantasy game and totally understand what's happening. Uh, so look into that one because that's new. That's coming out in two months, and it would be probably a great starting point for you. And then you could go back if you'd like. If we're going beyond turn base, because um, I guess he didn't – he did said just specifically what other JRPGs would you recommend – uh, Nino Kuni, Nino Kuni Two. Mm-hmm. I p- personally like Nino Kuni Two the best, but I know uh, that I'm the anom- like you know most people prefer the first. The one. Odd Man Out. I am the Odd Man Out. Uh, is is near considered the near? Are those considered JRPG? Oof. They're like action JRPGs. They are, yeah. Technically, they are, but in the least traditional sense. But yes, they right. definitely would fit. Yeah. So I would I would say those. Yeah, and honestly, if you're feeling really weird, this isn't a JRPG. It is a Japanese game, but 
I'm gonna throw out Danganronpa. Danganronpa oh, Decadence yeah. coming out. Dustin's wearing his shirt. I think it's coming out uh, December. Uh, this is not on Xbox, so I Switch or PlayStation. But I'm just throwing that out there. It's it's a incredible storyline. It's so good, and they're adding. Well, they already had the summer camp mode in V3 where you could do turn based combat and upgrade your characters, but they're evolving that some more. Uh, and making it its own separate application and everything for Danganronpa Decadence. So if you end up liking Danganronpa, there is going to be a turn-based component this year. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you for writing in, Broski. Chow365 is up next. Well, lads, what's the crick? I have been wondering, what is the overall reputation of Xbox in the United States? For example, I'm from Ireland, and whenever you bring up Xbox or mention Xbox in a conversation, you are straightaway made fun of and called names. The logic is also the same for stock. When the PS5 is on sale, it sells out in seconds compared to Xbox, where one day I saw GameStop had stock for sale for at least five or four hours before selling out. Love to get your guys' opinions on this, as I feel Xbox is somewhat of an unfair reputation in Ireland, and I'm wondering if that rep extends to the U.S. as well. Thank you, guys, and keep up the good work. P.S. I will leave this sentence in Irish. If you feel, <laughs> if it feel, if you like, it tells a wonderful story. Ta Dustin go Donna Og Golf Mario. Dustin, would you like Try. to translate that? Dustin. <laughs> I, I can't. I have no clue. Wow. I can, I, I'm on like my iPad language. and I can't switch tabs on my uh, on my computer. So if you have the Discord up, you could translate that. But in the meantime, uh, I can just say Xbox is biggest in USA. So yeah. its reputation oh, yeah. here is fine. I think, and Phil Spencer has said this, they struggle glo- globally. Probably a lot more than they admit. Uh, and they really, really need to work on that. And Game Pass will sort of be the conduit for them to work on that, where I think the people who are making fun of you, if you just showed them Game Pass and how much they spend on games, they would likely go, oh, okay then. Yeah. But that'll uh, take some time. Xbox around here, I mean, I meet people all the time that only have an Xbox um, or only have a PlayStation. Um, in fact, I almost feel like in some ways the Xbox is like, somewhat more casual mm-hmm. um to some consumers I, I don't know it's kind of all over the place but it's definitely not equal like i mean playstation 5 is is bigger still um but i don't know like i, I it all depends too on who your friends are and the people that you talk <laughs> to like i always joke like i always you know i'm on a playstation podcast but i do make jokes about xbox like because people know that I'm on the PlayStation podcast, and so I'll be like, "Oh, you have an Xbox," oh. <laughs> which is funny because I have an Xbox. Like I, I play regularly on my Series X, but uh, no, I'd say it's it's definitely not anything to make fun of. I agree. I'm currently so Discord on iPad. You can't copy certain parts of the text, so I had to copy his whole message. I put it in my search bar, and I'm now just sitting here holding my back space button on my folio, waiting for the rest of his message outside of to Dustin Godana on golf. Mario to to disappear to which then we'll translate it yeah I mean I'm not getting any kind of translate since it's like a dialect thing the thing that's putting me up is the Godana Godana at golf yeah it's obviously about you and Mario golf right what does Godana mean in Irish Uh, badly badly that's what 
this website says. Maybe it's wrong, though. Uh, no. This is like wordhippo.com. How about Og? English... Go Donna Og. I'm hitting enter. Uh, okay, maybe I type in Google Translate after this. This is uh, this is this is not working out quite like I expected here. Badly at Dustin, he's calling you bad at Mario Golf. Dang it! All that for an insult. Cal, you're a little bitch <laughs> for saying that. How dare you? Golden Goose is up next. Hey, what's up, Ham Fam? I'm writing this on the dawn of Sony's PlayStation State of Play and just wanted to get your opinion on something. Now it's all but confirmed that Sony is acquiring Bluepoint. Do you think we'll finally see some ports of PlayStation exclusives that haven't been brought to PS4 and PS5? I've always found it very weird that Jack 1, 2, and 3, as well as Combat Racing, got a native PS4 port, but the likes of Sly Cooper, my boy, Ratchet & Clank, Infamous, God of War, and so many others never got ports and are stranded. This may be a perfect chance for Jim Ryan to really take back the Gran Turismo comment and make amends. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and hopefully the state of play isn't a bust. Cheers, and keep up the amazing work as always. Good question. Do you think... I don't know if I don't know if Bluepoint will be the guys, right? They're the remake no. studio now. But... Yeah. Dustin, either either mm-hmm. give me hope or tell me and crush my, crush my hopes and dreams. Do you think they're... Uh, do you think they're bringing back some old PS, PS2-era games? No. I don't think they are. Fuck. I just don't think they Fuck. care about doing that right now. Yeah. I just don't. I think that maybe eventually they'll come up with some kind of backwards compatibility plan. I just don't think that's. It's not what what's selling PS fives mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So I would not expect them uh, to do that at the moment. And definitely, like you said, Blue Point. They're they're putting out Blue Point to make big budget, or they're they're buying Blue Point to do big budget remakes. So yeah. I just, man, imagine one day we wake up and there's an update for PlayStation. You can just toss a PS2 disc in and it'll work. It's a dream, right? It'll only only be a dream, but shit. I wish. Anyway, Golden Goose, thank you for the write-in. Sup, dudes. My question is, this is from JLopez7331. What game can you not play due to the art style or aesthetics of the graphics? My hot take would be the Borderlands series. I know they're great games and I've tried it out for a bit, but for some reason I can't get into how the game looks. It just rubs me the wrong way, unfortunately. Also, show out to the Ham Fam on Discord. You got a great thing going, Maddie. Have a good weekend, boys. Thank you, Jay Lopez. We appreciate that, and it is a great community here. Is there a series or a game you've played where the art just attacks your eyeballs? Mm. It's a good question. I feel like I've had this before, for sure. Like, I... I can't identify. I genuinely can't identify, but this is a hundred percent happened before where I've played a game and gone like, ah, uh, no, I can tell you that I'm starting to feel that way about, um, let's call it impressionistic pixel art. Okay. I love good pixel art. Um, mm-hmm. and I like unique pixel art. Like for example, um, I have no problem with like, uh, Celeste had great pixel art. I don't like it. Like the, the no face, like very squarish pixel art. Like so many indie games are doing this now. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have been for a while that I'm just like, I can't, I'm just like, I'm, I don't know. Pixel art's not doing it for me in certain instances anymore. And it just like makes me not want to play the game. Yeah. I, uh, think for me, if the game looks almost a little too, this is going to sound weird, but cartoony, mm. usually a pretty, 
good indicator to push me away. I think of, at first, the game from Drinkbox that they're working on exclusively for Xbox. And on a gameplay oh. level, it looks interesting, but artistically, it didn't really click with me. Um, that and, like, watercolor. So, I mean, once again, I hate to throw Drinkbox out there again, but, but like, Wakamelee 2... I just didn't Aww. like that art style. I just didn't like it. That's that's a pretty good example of that kind of pastel look. Um, to me, just didn't click. It's almost like a flat art style. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm looking through games right now. I'm trying to think. I'll tell you, I didn't really like the art style, art, art style of that uh, Valheim game that they showed at the State mm. of Play. I don't know. Something about it. Didn't do it for me. Yeah, I don't, I'm looking around my room. I don't see really any any others I can pick out. All right, let's get on to the next question from Skuma Vendor. Evening, gents. After the lackluster state of play this evening, it got me thinking about good Sony used to be a lar- at-large press conference showcases. What was the best PlayStation showcase in your opinion, and where do you think we will see more of them? Hashtag, where's my Bloodborne upgrade, Jim? All the best, Skoom. I think there will be one in August is what it sounds like. Yeah, that's been the uh, rumor, right? Like a 2022 setup. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll definitely, they have to do something like that. Um, I mean, I guess they don't have to. They can do whatever they want. But all the rumors, I mean, we've talked about Blue Box before and their thing getting pushed to August. And then mm-hmm. the random announcement. Like, so they announced the Ghost of Tsushima thing last week. And then they did a state of play this week. Like, Something was a little disorganized there where they were like, fuck, we got to delay. The rumor is, is that they had it. They were going to do a state of play like or an event more than just a state of play around now. But they had to delay because Call of Duty uh, needed more time or something. Mm. I firmly believe, especially based on this weird set of like announcing Ghost of Tsushima and then like having a state of play, a little bit of mixed. I don't know messaging here i think that they wanted to do one and they had to wait so i'm guessing that'll be august yeah i i agree i i hope they do one as well just to kind of get an idea of what they're doing for next gen stuff uh next year i think that's important um as for their best showcase i think oh. most answers will be the same i think probably 20 2013 yeah like i i think that showcase for the ps4 oh. That E3 was pretty dominant for them, uh, and it was they 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 had all the momentum heading into the fall. I was very excited for PlayStation Four, so for me that that's an easy pick. That's probably one of my favorite conferences of all time. I think Kingdom Hearts Three was there, Shenmue Three was there, like just it was fucking insane, dude. Yeah, that was also when they re-revealed Last Guardian. Mm. So yeah, it was they hit like everything, man. That sh- I mean, granted, some of that didn't come to fruition for many years, but it was wild, dude. I'll never forget. Because it was like, I think, was it Nomura? They were like showing, they they had, oh, it was when they had changed the branding of Final Fantasy, uh, whatever, versus a Gino. Oh, versus 13. 13, whatever. And then they ch- announced it as Final Fantasy 15. That was super hype. And yeah. then Nomura's like, wait, I got one more thing. Mm-hmm. You see the beach and you see the Keyblade. I, yeah, I, you I, knew. That was maybe one of my most, like, get hype. Uh, moments i looked like I one of screamed. those i was at my friend's house too and i screamed i like i that's oh one that i stood you know you stood up and i was like yeah. what like because you know it was so yeah long we waited I know. and then the game was like mid 
but that's okay. <laughs> it was it was fine. It's what it would. It's what a it rare game where I appreciate that it just exists, right? Like I actually yes. am like just happy it actually got out, right? And then it yes. happens. Yes. All right. Thank you for the write in. WV Harp Guitars next. Hey, Maddie and Dustin. First off, thank you for all the awesome shows and podcasts. You all are the best. Thank you. My question: Have you ever loved a game, then played it again and loved it even more? This has happened to me for a few games. Uncharted 2, the story resonated with me when I was replaying it as I'm now married, and the story of Nathan and Elena was just really special. Skyrim, which I still think is the best open world ever. Right now, I'm replaying Dark Souls, which I played for the first time last summer. I'm so impressed with how well this game was put together and how well every part of the world comes together through the shortcuts that you find. It's truly a special game, and I appreciate it even more after playing through the linear runs of Demon Souls. Thank you for taking the time to answer my question. Really appreciate you all. Justin Robinson. Thank you, Justin. Um, so funny enough, I started this show talking about Dead Space 3 and going through it and how I <laughs> did not appreciate it as much. So, yeah. do you have one? Do, do you? I don't know if you go back and replay often. Do you? Is that something that... Or are you just always on to the next new thing? I only replay the games that I like truly, truly love. Uh, so like recently I've been replaying, I've kind of taken a break the last two weeks, but I was replaying near automata and mm. man, uh, the replay on that. Very good. I'm appreciating it tons more. And also I have the lens of a uh, replicant that is making yeah, it better. Makes sense. I mean, for me, uh, a game that I really loved multiple playthroughs was bloodborne. Yeah. Uh, I played through yeah. that game like probably six times like i was like on new game plus 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 or whatever like man it rules uh and you get i don't know you get into like a nice flow of it and you can really start to get into the intricacies of the combat so that one's definitely it for me yeah yeah that's that's one that i've held off on a replay for a while because i i gotta believe they're doing a a a director's cut of some kind for it yeah they have to they have to be right i'd be so fucking shocked if they weren't uh so that i i'm holding off on that replay for that reason um yeah i i don't want to just keep regurgitating dead space but of course that's one of my most recent replays and uh going back to that for uh this project has been eye-opening on just how well designed it was you know i thought i just you know love dead space yeah good game good game you know but not like a fanboy over it but just seeing how well put together the game is on a level design standpoint uh, and how the sequel evolves as well. Uh, the character development into is fantastic because uh, it kind of goes from Isaac, the guy who's tormented mentally to Isaac, a, a human being. Uh, and, and that's right. really tough to do. And especially in one game, that's not long. It's a really gr- It's a well done pivot. Uh, so for me, I I, I got to regurgitate that because that's really the most recent and most authentic in my mind currently. But, you know, of course, there are games that you'll just you'll pick up and you'll love even more, even if you don't complete them. Skyrim, you mentioned Skyrim, uh, Justin, and that's one that, yeah, every time you pick up, there's an energy to that game. I get a feeling because for me, it was the start of it all. Fallout, you know, of course, like these are games that I go back to and I just, you know, can't help but just be in awe of them. And there are also some like Octopath Traveler, a little underrated, where you just look at it again. And I, I was like, oh, this is an all right game. But as the years go on, as games change more, that one, I think, is going to transcend time in a special way. And I'm like, you know what? This is a really unique, special title. Uh, it's very traditional in, in a lot of ways, but it's also very unique uh, it, with its party, how it doles out the story, uh, its art style, first of its kind. I mean, it's just it's such a cool game. It really is. 
Lactose the Intolerant 869 is up next. What's up, boys? I've heard about Monster Hunter Stories 2 and decided to download the demo, which gives you so much playtime, in my opinion. Are you interested in playing this? It hooked me real quick. I'm excited to see all this game has to offer. It's one of those good ones where I'm here at work thinking about playing it. Hmm. This is the turn-based RPG in the Monster Hunter world. Have you uh, have you looked into this? Because I have had my eye on it. The reviews came out. They were good. I want to get it, but I'm like, do I need oh, another RPG? Now? Yeah, it, it comes out today, I think, as we record this Friday. Really? Um, yeah, I'm gonna. Ch- I didn't even know there was a uh, a demo. So yeah, there is. I'll check so. it out. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought this game looked cool. So I'll definitely check out. I, thank you for uh, informing me of that. Of course. Lactose. The intolerant eighty one, yeah. so pretty good, pretty good on mm-hmm. Open Critic. Mm-hmm. It looks a little kid friendly in its dialogue, though. It's the only thing I yeah. can, I don't mind that it does this, but I can only tolerate that so much. Kind of reminds not, me of Paimon from Genshin Impact, like that. Just oh, leave me alone, please. Yeah, there's so. no. It's for kids. There's no anime titties in it, so I'm <laughs> out. Basically, is what I'm saying. Make it for adults. Make it for, yeah, and also make Kingdom Hearts for adults. It's time to add anime. <laughs> what am I saying at this point? Damn. I mean, honestly, they'll probably do it at some point, you think? Oh, no, not with Disney. Disney, not with Disney, Disney is right. anti-anime titty. Yeah, maybe if they do, like, just a Kingdom Hearts cross Final Fantasy. And when I say Kingdom Hearts, I mean, like, the Kingdom Hearts characters and cast. No Disney stuff. Just go into mm-hmm. Final Fantasy worlds. Then you can sort of get that action. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. There could be something to this, Maddie. Yeah, right? Definitely. New Euclistics up next. What's up, guys? Hope you're doing well. Been loving the content podcast, Maddie. So just wanted to say keep up the great work. Thank you. In my opinion, something that doesn't seem to get nearly enough attention is console mods. When Bethesda made mods available on console, to me, that was huge. They developed an entire and created an entire platform specifically so mods could be put on the consoles. And they gave it to the community for free. I feel like I should mention that I hate the current iteration of Creation Club. Could potentially be better as a subscription service that is updated monthly instead of pay per mod. The amount of incredibly high quality mods made for free for consoles on Skyrim and Fallout is astounding. And I was so sad Sony was not supportive of them. However, now that the more mod supportive Microsoft owns Bethesda, the gloves should be off in the terms of mods. So my question is, do you guys think there is a market or interest in console mods like, do you specifically see a potential for other companies to do something similar? And second, do you think Microsoft and Bethesda will even uh, bother to su- continue to support console mods for future games like Starfield and ES6, or potentially even add console mod capabilities to other Bethesda Microsoft games? Hmm. Yeah, here's the thing, right? I um, I think. The biggest hurdle for mods right now is making sure that when you download your game through Game Pass, that you are still able to modify it. There is something different. I I remember being alerted by modders because when Bethesda got bought, this was sort of the standout negative on that side of the community was when you download a game through Game Pass, the modding and the folders and how they're encrypted, encrypted is very different from that of if you buy and own the game in a standard fashion. So I I think I hope rather Bethesda will keep it up. They they stopped releasing Creation Club content entirely. Uh, my buddy Juice had messaged me and said like yeah it's been over a year that they've since they've done anything with Creation Club. So they've sort of pumped the brakes on all of that support, and I don't know what they're doing instead. Uh, but that is something worth taking note of for sure. Um, that they're maneuvering that in a specific way, and if 
Microsoft and Bethesda can continue mod support for future games like ES6. I, yeah, like I said, I hope so. And adding more mod capabilities. I would imagine so, because some of the limitations went down to memory. So as long as they have more of that to play with, then they should be good. Yeah. I think that... I know. Um, the thing for me... I mean, I'm not interested in modding on console at all. Like, uh, I think it's a cool option. But for me, I want to be able to... I don't want a curated mod list. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be able to... Like, because th- those are limited in the fact that, like, you can't install the uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage Dragon <laughs> replacement on Skyrim on console. Yeah. So, obviously, there's, like, nice quality of life stuff that they add in those. And there's some neat stuff. But I don't know. I'm more interested in uh, modding on a on a PC level. Yeah. But It'll always I'm be curi- better there. I mean, some people really do care about this. My, um, so my aunt and uncle, my mom's sister and her husband play, they love Bethesda games. They love Skyrim. They love Fallout. They switched to Xbox for mods because they were so interested in playing these games more and that they wanted to have the mods. So some people really do care about yeah it. It, it, i i've talked to modders too and it's not as easy as just flipping a switch and knocking it down like getting mods on xbox even though they're more flexible it's not easier is what i've been told so even mm. more memory and storage space and all that stuff for mods uh still it's it's still not going to be easier for the mod makers mm-hmm. at least that's what I've, I've been told maybe it will be uh but that was last i heard so just keep that in mind that they'll be able to do more cool stuff but it'll re- require work on their end right on Camp Talks, our last question of the show. Thank you all so much for your tons of write-ins this episode. Hey, boys. I've just started playing Spider-Man 2018 Remastered after recently finishing Ghost of Tsushima, and something struck me. I was horrible at Spider-Man. Shout out to the people here in Maddie's Discord for giving me some advice, but I think the issue just came from Ghost and Spider-Man having entirely different combat styles. I'm happy to report I'm now good at Spider-Man, but it got me thinking about the transition from one game to another. After 60-plus hours getting through Ghost of Tsushima and earning that Platinum Trophy... I was used to one combat style and found it hard to adjust to a new type of third-person action combat. Have either of you gentlemen ever gone from one game to another in a similar genre but ended up needing to completely readjust your mindset for gameplay, or am I just crazy? Of course, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, this happens with... uh, This happened with me and Ghost of Tsushima, actually, because I think I wanted to play it more either like Sekiro or a Souls game. It just doesn't... Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not—it's nothing against uh, Ghosts Combat, but it's—it's it's nothing like a From Software combat game. No, it's not. So yeah, you do have to. I mean, there's always a time of of readjustment for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I—I I, I think for me, it's been like FromSoft games. My most notable transition was first starting up Bloodborne and trying to play it like a Dark Souls game, and that first area getting to the Cleric Beast. Uh, or is it Bloodstarved Beast? What's the first boss? Uh, not the Bloodstarved Beast. Yeah, Bloodstarved Beast is in the church. I think Cleric yeah. Beast is the first one. Uh, getting to that boss took me three or four hours because I was just constantly looping, 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 going over it because I could not adjust. And finally, I just learned the ropes of the game. And from there, I did not die all that often outside of the Chalice Dungeons. But the base game, once I adjusted, I was pretty good at it. But it took about three or four hours of just, like, hair pulling, getting over that hump, learning the game, and properly adjusting. But beyond that, 
yeah, it's just like if you're sticking with one game for a while that's not turn-based or something and you go from one action experience to the other, there's a, a learning curve. Like, I felt my FPS skills decline a little bit. So Yeah, for sure. Me too. That's all we've got for episode 309, though. Thank you all so much for your write-ins. Dustin, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for yeah. joining me this week. For and sure. uh, with that, anything else you want to add on or should we wrap this up? No, it's just, uh, you know friday once again mm-hmm. time to maddie i'm guessing you're gonna chill you're still not feeling 100 percent. so i might have to make a video because i don't have a video ready for today so uh, i might leap from here to my next project just because no, the channel must remain it. active i have a dang video it. already scheduled for tomorrow but it had to get approved by an advertiser so oh yeah okay so i need to wait an extra day for that so i'm like yeah. okay what are we gonna do for friday because this is sunday I could upload one last day, Dustin, but that's that's not my shtick, right? No. I'm there every day. You can count on me. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. But anyway, to those of you who listened and enjoyed, thank you so much. And we hope to see you next week with episode 310. Peace out. See ya.